It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Wednesday, June 17th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show... Uh, it's simply that uh, he, he, he made the determination uh, who he wants to work with in running an agency, and so I want to support uh, his, his nomination. The Senate Corrections Committee advances the nomination for the new commissioner of MDOC. Then we examine how the pandemic has affected the state's Choctaw community. Plus, after a Southern Remedy Health Minute, what the latest Chisholm poll says about why Mississippians feel the way they do about the flag. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi lawmakers are one step closer to confirming the nomination of a new corrections commissioner with a controversial past. Yesterday, the Senate Corrections Committee voted to advance the nomination of Burl Kane. The 77-year-old gained notoriety for turning around the troubled Angola prison in Louisiana, where he was warden for 21 years. Kane left under allegations of ethics violations, including side deals involving inmate labor. During the committee's confirmation hearing, Democrat Senator Derek Simmons addressed those allegations and asked Kane why he wanted the job. Some people will wonder, in light of what we have dealt with inside of the agency and also what we are dealing with inside of the state of Mississippi regarding misappropriation of funds at another state agency, why someone would come to or even accept or want to be considered for a job in the Mississippi Department of Corrections with with the past uh, as been reported in the press, whether it's true or not. Do you have any comment regarding regarding that before I continue? Well, I'm a 40-year correction. We have 40 years experience in corrections, and the challenge is what brought me here because uh, I did work at Angola for 21 years, and when I got there, it was... It was like, you see, maybe in some places, as bad as it could be, but with more rehabilitation, we spun it around, and uh, 
It's really not the Department of Corrections, it's just really the Department of Rehabilitation. And if we focus on rehabilitation, we can change the culture in the prisons. And that's what we're about, and that's what we intend to do. And um, you are really, you are well known nationally as one of the top um, outside of the box thinkers for rehabilitation and correction reform. And I saw some of the things, or I read some of the things that you were engaged in in Angola like the uh, Bible studies, the job training, uh, the public speaking groups, the radio station, the seminary classes. Are you looking forward to bringing some of those outside of the box uh, programs to our correctional facility here? Right. The only thing permanent is change, really. And that's what we're going to see in this Department of Corrections, change for the good. And everything is on the table from prison hospice, where inmates learn to be caregivers for their brothers, so that that's part of rehabilitation, all the way to the rehabilitation programs we did, because if you're not equipped for a job when you leave us, then you're probably gonna recidivate. And that's gonna cost the taxpayers, but it's also gonna mean another victim of violent crime. And crime victims are what we don't want. We wanna change people's lives so we're safer in our community. And that's where we're headed. And one, one last question I have. So I, I understand it that the Mississippi Department of Corrections is one of two correctional facilities in the country that do not publish the COVID-19 statistics to ACA. If confirmed on day one on the job, will you report our statistics to ACA and make them public? Sure. Thank you. Simmons, who voted to advance the nomination, tells our Desiree Frazier he recognizes there are dual perceptions of Kane, but will put faith in the man the governor has selected. Burl Kane is applauded by some as an outside-the-box thinker who believes in rehabilitation, imposes a strong sense of morality through religious practices, and provides genuine opportunities for growth. However, other people see Kane as a 77-year-old relic of the past whose style is paternalistic and often quite harsh. Uh, of course, he has been accused of corruption involving inmate labor and shady business deals that he did indicate uh, in committee today that he has been cleared of. And so members raise questions about that and also raise questions about uh, whether or not he'll be uh, willing to implement some of the programs that he was successful in implementing in Angola. Did you vote for him? I did. What made you vote for him? Well, I look at the governor uh, as the CEO of the state's corporation, uh, where the stakeholders are the people of Mississippi. And if he, as the person who is in charge of the day-to-day operations uh, of the state, wants to work with someone, in eight years, I've never opposed a nomination. Uh, and so uh, I didn't want to to be this, this to be the first one. You did ask some pointed questions, just frankly, why he wanted the job at his, I don't think you said his age, but you said after being in the career field for so long. Yeah, he said for 40 years. And, 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 I, and, I, and I, I raised the question, Desiree, about uh, the fact that uh, some people have, in fact, called me constituents in my district about why would the governor in light of what we are dealing with at DHS and, and also in light of what we have dealt with regarding uh, misappropriation of funds and improper contracting in the Mississippi Department of Corrections, why would we even or why would he even consider naming someone who has a 
shady business deal type past as Beryl Kane. And so uh, my response to a lot of those constituents uh, is simply that uh, he, he, he made the determination uh, who he wants to work with in running an agency. And so I want to support uh, his, his nomination. There were several uh, things that were brought up. One, he talked about some of what he did in terms of Bible studies and uh, creating churches um, on the prison campus at Angola in Louisiana, where he formerly worked. Do you see him? He said he would do that here. Is that appropriate, do you think? Yeah, well, um, uh, he did like the rodeo and radio stations, seminary classes, Bible studies, public speaking groups, job training all of these programs that I've been able to read about uh, that he instituted in Angola, uh, I think that uh, to, to certainly create an environment where people have faith in some higher being is, is always applauded. I just don't want it to be frowned upon that if, if uh, uh, we are mixing, uh, you know, church and state in some kind of way, and if a person uh, does, is an atheist or if a person believes or, ha- or he or she has a different faith, then he would not uh, be successful in re- being rehabilitated in, in the system for those reasons. So I think I think it's great on one hand, and on the other hand, uh, we certainly want to give people the freedom of religion. Your thoughts overall on where you want to see MDOC go at this point? Well, we have a real checkered past, uh, and in addition to a lot of the requests and needs that MDOC uh, has made clear to the legislature, uh, we have not had a history of supporting uh, 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 MDOC. So I would like to see us support MDOC to make it safer, not only for those offenders, but also for those state uh, employees that work there. Uh, and, and to make, make the conditions uh, uh, acceptable and and to move away from those sub subpar or subhuman type of conditions that that, that we have seen uh, uh, that that are the source of a lot of litigation surrounding MDLC. Senator Derek Simmons is a Democrat from Greenville. Borough Kane's nomination for Commissioner of Corrections now goes to the full Senate for a vote. Coming up, we examine how the pandemic has affected the state's Choctaw community. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The Native American population in Mississippi is showing a disproportionately higher rate of coronavirus infections and deaths, according to state health officers. MPB's Ashley Norwood takes a look at how the Choctaw Indian community is navigating both health and economic concerns during the ongoing pandemic. 
There are just over 10,000 members of the Mississippi Band of Choctaw Indians. The Indian Reservation spreads across 10 counties and is comprised of eight communities, mostly in the east-central part of the state. Three counties, Newton, Neshoba, and Leek, are part of the Choctaw Reservation, and they have been under heightened restrictions because of rapid increases in coronavirus cases relative to their populations. State Health Officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs says Native Americans in Mississippi are almost eight times more likely to become infected with the virus than any other ethnicity and are dying at a disproportionately higher rate. If we look at the mortality rate, the mortality rate among Native Americans is 174 per 100,000 um, compared to a mortality rate of 39 per 100,000 in African Americans and 21 per 100,000 in Caucasians, so much, much higher. Dobbs says Native Americans in Mississippi have a coronavirus case rate of more than 1,500 per 100,000 people. That's compared to a rate of 834 in black Mississippians and 282 in whites. But why? Dr. Carrie Scott is the interim chief medical officer at the Choctaw Health Center in Philadelphia. He says much like African Americans, Indians share similar underlying health conditions that make them more susceptible. Within the Native American population, there's lots of diabetes, hypertension, and those chronic conditions. Scott says they are pinpointing most cases to two settings, community transmission and nursing homes. The Choctaw Residential Center, a nursing home for tribal members, reported 20 residents dying from the coronavirus virus as of June 11th. That's the second largest number of deaths reported in a long-term care facility in the state. Mississippi Band of Choctaw Indians Tribal Chief Cyrus Ben tested positive for the coronavirus in April. He says he didn't experience any symptoms but self-quarantined. Chief Ben says he's concerned about outbreaks in the community. Historically, Native American families have lived in intergenerational housing. And having a number of occupants in home is challenging uh, to try to isolate, you know, depending on the space available and the control that you may have of exposure. Ben says he's worried about younger people contracting the virus and passing it along to their parents and grandparents. Choctaw Indians aged 21 to 40 make up 40 percent of coronavirus cases. Dr. Scott says at this point, the Choctaw Health Center is testing and treating COVID-19 patients and maintaining. But he says his biggest fear is what would happen if there's a second wave of coronavirus infections on the reservation, which he expects could be as soon as the end of summer. The frontline workers that we have presently have been working tirelessly for this March when everything started. If they have a, a surge of patients, it's going to be very difficult to um, keep their energies and then once your energy start getting low, people are more susceptible to getting sick, may have a shortage of health care providers. Chief Ben says the tribe's economy is taking a hit during the pandemic. They shut down resorts and casinos, furloughing more than 2,000 associates. That has been a great impact and continues to do so because when the labor force in this area is who we rely upon, uh, we do not want to put our employees, our associates, or our guests at any kind of safety risk or health issues. Ben says although furloughed from work, they're continuing to pay for employees' health care during the pandemic. Ashley Norwood, MPB News. 
Mississippi has eclipsed the 20,000 mark in confirmed cases of COVID-19. The latest report from the Department of Health indicated 353 new cases of the disease with 20 new related deaths. Total cases rise to 20,152 officially. Total deaths to 915. The Department of Health and UMMC is continuing to provide one-day collection sites throughout the state to identify and track the coronavirus. Two sites will be available tomorrow, one in Winston County at the Louisville Coliseum, the other in Warren County at Pemberton Square Mall in Vicksburg. Anyone can be tested who is experiencing COVID-19 symptoms, including fever, cough, shortness of breath or sore throat, or who has a known or potential exposure to someone confirmed with the virus. Those who believe they need to be tested must first complete a free screening from a UMMC clinician through an online questionnaire at umc.edu slash COVID screening or by calling the UMMC Center for Telehealth at 601-496-7200. Coming up after a Southern Remedy Health Minute, what the latest Chisholm poll says about why Mississippians feel the way they do about the flag. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. A contractor ever tell you of the price of something and it sounds so high you think, eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of pediatrics and internal medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and this is a Southern Remedy Health Minute. Certainly, we have hit the summer, uh, and with it, there's a lot of things that you have to keep in mind. The humidity and heat is probably one of the biggest ones. We see a lot of people that unfortunately have heat stroke or heat exhaustion during this time of year. Uh, A few deaths that are related to that in the state and in the south. We want everybody to be aware of that and hydrate. Water is the preferred hydration. Don't forget about hydrating before you go out. So if you're going out for whatever activity, whether you're working in your garden or Maybe you're working outside uh, to uh, get a little exercise. Make sure that you're drinking some water beforehand. Drink enough so that when you urinate, it's clear. That's a great old way to make sure that you're getting enough water. And then trying to limit your time uh, outside to the cooler times of the day. That's relative, of course, in the south. But generally speaking, anywhere from about 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. tends to be the hottest times of the day. So you want to be careful when you're outside. If you're going to be out there doing strenuous activity more than about 45 minutes, it may be a good idea to get a uh, rehydration drink. And the reason for that is you do lose a lot of sodium and uh, you need to get that back in your system. There's also some carbohydrates in the form of sugars there. That's important to have both of those together because you absorb more sodium when you combine it with sugar. That's why they have it in those drinks. Some of them tend to be a little bit too much sugary. For more health tips and medical information, listen to Southern Remedy each weekday morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio. No matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone, Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. In the nearly two decades since Mississippians last cast their ballots on the state flag, 
public perception of that flag has shifted. During a 2001 referendum, 64% of voters elected to keep the current design, but a recent Chisholm Strategies poll reveals that gap has narrowed significantly. Support for the flag has dwindled below the majority threshold, and only a one-point gap exists between those who want to keep the flag and those who want a new design. Dr. Nathan Schrader is the chair of the Department of Government and Politics at Millsaps College. In part two of his conversation with our Michael Guidry, Dr. Schrader examines the reasons voters give for their position on the flag. What comes out of the poll itself is that that many of the supporters for change see this as a unifying issue, that that because of the symbol that currently uh, appears on the flag, it's it's not something that is easily unifying for the entire state. And one of the things that this just gets back to the concept of symbolism in general in in politics is that if you if you're choosing a symbol to represent whatever it is your nation, your state, your cause, right? You, you tend to want to have it as something that represents all the people uh, or makes them feel good about the place where they live that the flag is representing. So. Um, that's, that is a, an issue in and of itself for the supporters is that, that a new, the current flag does not unify the state of Mississippi. It creates a, you know, a layer of, another layer of division. The other thing is what they're calling national image. So other states and people in other parts of the country look at the Mississippi flag or the last ones with this symbol on it and, and say, uh, what the heck is going on in Mississippi? This is kind of an outlier now that we're talking is the year 2020. And here you still have a state sporting the Confederate flag embedded in its state flag. So there, that it's some voters see it as an embarrassment uh, to them as Mississippians in the rest of the, in other parts of the country. Um, so, so there's the unity message, but there's also the, what message do you want to project? And, and there are some people, and this is where I had mentioned earlier, an anecdotal piece of this too. This is the part I hear from some uh, small business folks that I've talked to in different venues and read some comments they small business leaders have said on the internet in social media that their main, one of their main interests in the, the private sector is job creation and, and strengthening Mississippi's economy. And there are people out there, uh, not just I'm not just saying it's business people, but other Mississippians, too, who see this as a potential impediment to economic development and job creation because there there could be employer potential employers or potential employees out there who see something appealing about Mississippi that wants to bring them here. But what's the one when they when they look when they Google Mississippi, what's one of the first things they see? Uh, is is the image of a what could be viewed by many, and certainly is viewed by many, is divisive state flag, right? With a symbol of our, you know, a, a not a not so pretty symbol of our not so distant past still embedded on it. And so that there's that argument too coming from the the side that says let's change it. That's now represented by about half of the electorate. So we've looked at the issues uh, that voters consider uh, strongly for, for, for changing the flag. What are voters indicating are reasons that they want to keep the flag? So if you want to talk to the people uh, who are on the side of let's maintain the current flag, it tends to come down to two things. They view it as a piece of kind of their, their cult, their heritage and pride 
they they have a you know this is this this has been our the symbol on the state flag for a long time. It's part of our heritage. Uh, we don't want to turn our backs on it. The, then then there's also this piece of it simply they view it as history, right? This has been this is something that's piece of our state history. Even though perhaps you know they may they may readily agree that there are symbolic uh, issues with this, but it's still they view it as a change in that flag and a change in that design almost an attempt to rewrite or ignore history. And it's a similar argument that you, you probably hear pretty often, or at least I hear pretty often in interviews uh, when people are asked about, say, their, their position on the removal or replacement of Confederate monuments, right? That, they, that this, It's a very similar argument to that. And so the last point I want to make is when you're trying to tie this all together is what has le- what are some of the factors that have led to where we were at, what, almost 70% of the voters of Mississippi saying 19 years ago in a referendum, let's keep the current flag the way it is. But today, the, the polling shows that it's a, we're about a, you know, a, an even split. Keep it, change it. How do we get there? Well, a few things have happened. There's, there's uh, a, tr- a turnover in, 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 in the state, right? And, and this just happens everywhere. That older pe- portion of the electorate everywhere eventually leaves the electorate as they pass pass away, right? And they're replaced by more younger voters coming into the system, uh, coming into the democratic process who are from a different era where some of the, the, the heritage arguments and some of the racial standards that were in place when those older voters were coming of age politically are no longer acceptable. So that's where we are with that right now. And for some of the reasons why Things are starting to things things are starting to become more evenly split in the electorate. We've been speaking with Dr. Nathan Schrader, who is the chair of the Department of Government and Politics at Millsaps College. Thank you very much, Dr. Schrader. Well, thank you for having me. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.